You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Hey, get your popcorn ready. NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to visit with Anthony Gargano from 97.5, the fanatic in Philadelphia, and Josh Alper from ProFootballTalk.com. And Brian, we're going to kick off the podcast today looking to Super Bowl 53 and who the favorites might be. Cordell, there's way too much thievery going on. Not just Rob Gronkowski's house. There's a lot of stealing in the media, so I want to give proper attribution to what is the foundation for this conversation. ESPN.com looking ahead to next season with their early, early, early preseason power rankings, and they have New England at number one. And you could say, okay, Patriots with the reigning MVP. Tom Brady is returning for another season. They won 13 games in the regular season this year, and they had opportunities to win the big game Sunday in Minnesota. But I would counter with, and I'm stealing from you, you reiterated this last week several times, they've lost both coordinators. It's official now. Josh McDaniels on his way to Indy. Matt Patricia hired as the new head coach of the Lions. That defense got battered again in the Super Bowl, statistically giving up way too many yards throughout the course of the regular season. So is it just too easy to say, well, you got Belichick and Brady. New England should be number one heading into next season. Yeah, that's lazy. I think that's, a, as, as we mentioned yesterday, that's, that's a lazy conversation. No one wants to put in the work. I would say to really go through it because it's the easy in the in the layup of the year. Um, I would say I, I would say of the pickings. Let's just say that um, when it comes down to the New England pitch, I think out of respect and, and, and knowing what the organization is made of, which you know it, it makes you question a lot because of some decisions that were made um, during the Super Bowl. But we'll get to that at some later in the show. But it's one of those cases for me where. You have Matt Patricia, who's going to be gone. You have Josh McDaniels, who's going to be gone. You have Malcolm Butler, who may be gone. You have Rob Gronkowski, who's talking about uh, thinking about coming back next season. It's going to be a thought. It's going to be a process of wondering uh, what it's going to be. Who's the backup if something happens to Tom Brady? Um, I think when you think of Bill Belichick and the things that he's been able to get away with over the years, uh, I think it's, it's, it's catching up to him. And when I say catching up to them, they lose the game where we've seen in many occasions they've been able to to win, um, especially when having a chance to come out in the second half and scoring and seeing Philadelphia actually respond with a touchdown of their own. To me, that recipe of playing football for 60-plus minutes is real. And if you can apply the pressure and make them have to play and keep things in front of you, because that's the only way they end up getting any yards is because the corners uh, with double moves, uh, they were getting beat. And some of those crossing routes that we end up seeing happening, um, they, they fell out of position. The Pats, I don't think you're wrong, but come on. What about these other teams they have coming out there that, that's coming out that's actually going to be teams that's on the uprise? Look at the, the young team in the Rams. I mean, no one's really talking about that Rams team. You have to assume that Aaron Donald is going to get his contract taken care of. I mean, look at the year that Todd Gurley. Look at look at the coach of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. Todd Gurley, Aaron, Aaron uh, Donald, and also Sean McVay. All with the Rams. Forgot all about Antonio Brown and, and the Steelers football team. And, and I mean, just 
there's some new teams with players that are actually on the rise. Um, I think when you start looking at moves, the way you now all of a sudden have John Gruden. Now you ask the question, well, Cordell, how does he make a difference that quick? Well, Sean McVay did. Right. You know, it just it's just kind of one of those situations for me where to just anoint the New England Patriots like we have a tendency to do, and I said we, as like we have a tendency to do at times. And you know what? The only team that stood the test of time all year long was the Philadelphia, was the Philadelphia Eagles. They sat at number one slash two spot more than any other team has, um, I would say, throughout the entire season. They didn't waver much. They actually stood the test of time, and as I called them a front runner, they actually finished well still out front. And so to keep them at number one, I just think that's a lot that they're losing and not knowing for sure how if Rob Gronkowski's coming back, you lose Jimmy Garoppolo, both offensive coordinators. Alex Guerrero, is he going to be allowed back on the sideline? How about that defense? They got I mean, battered James Harrison, at times last year. He may not be back next year. And uh, Malcolm Butler, again, he may not be back. He won't be back next year. We know that. We, we see what direction that's going in conversation-wise via social media and the news. But um, I just think overall, while this defense has been suspect truthfully all year long, when it comes to points allowed, yes, they fifth in the National Football League. I mean, which is good. But we all know why they actually played as well as they did all year. I mean, when your offense is being able uh, to put up 28-plus points a game, uh, they gave 33 uh, to this Philadelphia Eagles team. I very rarely saw that happen to them all year long. Um, it's okay to put them up there because as long as you got Tom Brady, you have something to fight for and win for play for rather um, but having them there you know it's the lazy and most safest thing to do and that's what we do in the media as we saw in Radio Row because everyone was in great shape right when you went down there by the food court there were yep. no lazy media members oh right? no they weren't lazy they were comfortable mm. they were actually chilling Actually, you know what? Because the food was so close by, they didn't have to. They didn't have to work too hard to get to it. <laughs> they were grazing. They were gra- <laughs> exactly. But it's just, it's just truthfully, be honest. Okay, we look at the list. Do we have a list? That I we have can a run list. Through? Yes. Would you like more names? Philadelphia yeah. two, Pittsburgh three, Minnesota four. You want to blow the horns? <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. We're good. No horns. Okay, I'm Minnesota. just saying. Let me dust off my favorite word, aberration. I would like to see Case well, Keenum do it again. we don't know which quarterback's again. coming back. we we got to figure out the quarterback yeah. position. But they so were we number we one in defense. Sure. And remember, they're getting Dalvin Cook back from the torn ACL. So you get so now, now. That backfield is now one of the better ones in the game. And then you have, of course, Jacksonville, New Orleans, Atlanta, Green Bay, Rams, Carolina. Now, what do you say about Green Bay? What do you say about Atlanta? Um, what do you say about the Rams? You know, what do you say about Jacksonville? We still don't know what's going to happen behind the scenes with, with the quarterback position because I think they're, they're a very confident quarterback away because you'd have to be confident to be on that team. Got a tremendous amount of personalities, starting with Jalen Ramsey on that, de- on that defense, on that team in general. But if you want to pick a team that's more primed and ready to make a run at it, sure, go ahead. Seven straight AFC championship games? I mean, you have to assume it may be uh, eight this upcoming year based on these rankings. But if this is the way you start off, you're not wrong. It's almost like you're disrespecting. And this is what I feel. You're disrespecting New England when you go against them in any way. I think that's what happens. 
Because you remember I told you I went on that show last week, went out there, and I guess they thought <laughs> I was going to change my my narrative on what I felt about the game based on what I've been saying. And I and I and of course I wasn't even thinking twice about it. it just so who do you think is going to win? I was like Philly. And all of a sudden, it got to the point like, do you really believe that? Wait, Jake <laughs> yeah, Crawford was pushing back. You guys worked together at ESPN. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was, and also Molly, his his counterpart Molly on McGrath, the show. Yep. She was, and um, and it was like, and then even when I got off the show, they asked, "So, Cordell, be honest. Do you really think they're gonna?" I said, "Dude, ladies, gentlemen, I promise you, that's what my gut tells me, because this is not like one of those games where, okay, when watching Jacksonville, we've seen what they've done." whether it was good or even sometimes when they was out of character and, and, and maybe, you know, acting immature and causing penalties and turnovers, there was a part of my psyche that was saying, ah, while I want it to happen, can it happen? Yes, it can. Do they have the team to do it? Yes, they do. Do they have the capabilities of playing for 60 minutes? We'll find out because they haven't been able to do it all year because they jump out front on teams and we saw what they did against the Pittsburgh Steelers. But when it came to Philadelphia and watch what they did against Minnesota and how they didn't take their foot off the pedal and how they played hard against Atlanta. For me, I was like, it's, and I'm not going to say it was a no-brainer, but it was easy for me to, to pick this football team from the standpoint of they've been underdogs the entire postseason. They responded. They had an attitude. Hearing Ike Reese that came on with us, Hugh Douglas that came on, on with us, those guys were extremely passionate. And they were very extensive on their conversation. So for me, and then Nick Foles, I'm like, if we can get one of the two Nick of these Nick Foles that we saw against Atlanta or even against Minnesota, why can't this team win? In the way Doug Peterson has been courageous and brave, and lo and behold, he ended up showing his hand again and being courageous and brave in the latter part of that second quarter, first half on fourth and one, calling uh, what is it? Eagle Philly, Philly special, Philadelphia mm-hmm. special, or Eagle special, whichever one it was. Touchdown, Nick Foles. Who was the better quarterback when it came down to receptions in that game? Right, and they're getting Nick Carson Foles. Wentz back. So if we're talking about the Super Bowl team that should be number one, yep. shouldn't it be Philadelphia? In all due respect, it should be Philadelphia, hands down. Like, who's leaving this football team? Let me give you two potential players. Chris Long, LeGarrette Blunt. Why? Sign one-year deals. Jay Ajayi maybe when your deals but you have to assume that they'll bring a couple of these guys back for you know a discount because they want to be a part of the team that, that team is young that, is, that team is not old not even by a li- I mean Fletcher Cox may be one of the older guys but Fletcher Cox is not old he's still fresh I mean this team it will be around for some time I give them the next two to three years they're going to continue to make noise they're going to be the favor, of course, favorite team in that division, of course, not even thinking twice. They're already a, get a, a game ahead. They're, they're one game up right now just because of what they have coming back on the roster and how they finish the year. They become two, came, two games up if they keep Nick Foles. In that division, that's against the Giants and my Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott, the boys with the stars. Would I haven't said that in a long time. Dallas belongs in the top 10 next season with Elliott slated to play an entire season? For me, they need a number one. With how they play, they need a deep threat receiver. Des Bryant is not their number one. Cole Beasley is not their number one. Jason Witten's getting long in the tooth. Those little eight-yard routes, we're going to need more. We're going to need double moves. Can his hips uh, become looser 
to be able to give that jab step and get upfield. You know, he's not Gronkowski where he, he can run vertically down the field and catch the ball at the highest point. That's not his style. It's everything within the box, meaning from the helmet down to the gut. He catches it. He sees someone coming. What does he do? He's the best getting down to the ground guy I've ever seen at the tight end position. He sees you coming. He keeps you away from him. And, you know, I remember when he came on our show. He's a big dude. Big. Long arms. Dallas Cowboys deserve to be in the top ten. And, and as I see it right now, they have a team like the Atlanta Falcons, a team like even the Jaguars, even though I like them. For me, even a team like the Green Bay Packers, regardless. Carolina. I just think, you know, Dallas, with what happened to them this year, I think we all can probably come to a conclusion to say the reason that happened was Ezekiel Elliott was out and trying to figure it out and having, a, having that monkey on their back you know, trying to figure out how would they best handle that situation. And I think Darren McFadden and Alfred Morris did a, a, a solid job, did the team a solid, but it wasn't good enough to be able to allow Dak Prescott to be in his element of how he runs his offense. So I, I just think when, it, when it's all said and done, Dallas, yeah, I agree with you with that question. They should be at least in the top 10. And where they have them ranked? 12, uh, the top 10, put it that way. I didn't want yeah, to waste any more paper. Whoop, there it is. I'm trying to save trees after all the paper I ran through <laughs> at the mall. I'll give you a couple more teams. What, what about have? Houston? Deshaun uh, Watson coming back from the torn ACL. J.J. Watt returning. Yeah, but I mean, even when they were healthy, and of course J.J. Watt wasn't in, it's just, you know, you had, you had a Titans team that won that division. You know, when they come back, we don't know for sure if Deshaun Watson's going to be healthy. We don't know if J.J. Watt's going to be healthy. I mean, that... That team, to me, is is they have talent, but you know they're they're a middle of I think they're a middle of the pack type team. Like they can jump in the top ten quick and fall right out real quick, but they're they're going to compete every single week and they have a chance to win the division. That that's how I look okay, at the Houston Texans. Can I blow your mind? Go ahead. The Colts, Andrew Luck, rested and ready to go with Josh McDaniels. Top twenty, now. right? No, top I'm going to put him. I'm going to put him in top fifteen. Upper half of the fifteen. Yeah. yeah. How? Andrew Luck is back. Josh McDaniels dialing up the right plays. See, there you go back with that one game, that one player, that one player <laughs> team again. I, we've had this conversation twice this year. We picked it with the Aaron with, with, with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, and we did it with the New England Patriots. You can't see when you start when you, you start playing against good teams and you talk about one player, unless you're Peyton Manning and, and, and for the most part of Tom Brady. But when your team is really good. I mean, overall, the quarterback is just good enough. It's going to be hard for that one player to win. And I think it happened twice this year. Green Bay lost to Minnesota for for obvious reasons. Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And then we saw what Philly did to my guy. Everyone's guy. The GOAT. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this. TuneIn has what you need and when you want it when on the run and on the go. Covering all musical needs. Today's hits. Latin hits. Country roads. Hip-hop beats. Supporting artists and the music they make exclusively on TuneIn. 
Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in Anthony Gargano from 97.5 The Fanatic in Philadelphia. Anthony, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Has the partying died down at all now that we've reached Tuesday? No. <laughs> no, it's still going strong, guys. It's, it's unbelievable. I was just having this conversation it feels like the week between Christmas and New Year's where nobody works and everybody's out. Like, the restaurants were full this afternoon. I don't think anybody's working. All people are doing is toast to the Eagles. It's the greatest thing in the world. Anthony, give us the take on how the city was when watching the game. I mean, there were moments in games where – you saw Philly, especially at the very beginning. Uh, they make they take that first drive down the football field. You think they're going to score yeah. a touchdown. That was some form of momentum. Uh, but they end up getting three points. You see in the second half when New England scores on their first drive, but yet they come right back and score uh, and answer with a score of their own. Give me your take on the, the feeling and the energy and the ebbs and flows of emotions going through that city because I know everyone in that city wanted it really bad. Yeah, Cordell. Something really strange and beautiful happened this past week. All weekend, all week long, leading into the game, there was no fatalism. You could spell fatalism with a PH before. This was always a town that something bad's going to happen. I did a show uh, Sunday morning, and it was this great belief. And then through the game, it was belief. This town, for two weeks, ever since they beat Minnesota, believed they were going to beat New England for the Super Bowl, and they never wavered. It was the strangest thing, guys, and and really kind of cool. Like, it was the utmost belief. Cordell, like, you, if you were playing in front of these people and talking and being around them, the positive energy was just, it was palpable. Brian, Mm -hmm. you've been around sports a long time. You know there used to be fatalism here. Not at all. Not at all. They felt it in their bones. So what changed? Is this now bizarro land where just people fell in love with this team and what falls did as a backup? Like, like it's unbelievable. I, I don't know what changed. It was just a feeling, a collective. I don't want to go cosmic on it, but you know, it was a collective energy. But nothing changed. And, like, nothing dramatic happened. The people just felt it. I think they believed that this team – um, it's been an odd year, right? I mean, they lose Jason Peters and they lose Jordan Hicks and, of course, Carson. And yet, you know, they kept going and Doug Peterson kept risking it, right? I mean, think about the calls. A trick play, fourth and two from the goal line. He goes for it, five and change to go, five and change to go from his own 43-yard line. And he goes for it on fourth down. And there's pressure, and Foles makes the play. It's, it was uncanny. So the term happy in Philadelphia doesn't go together. How happy is everyone right now in Philly? Yeah, it, it's beyond that. It's bliss. So that's a state that is bliss is a state that's higher than happiness. And it's pure bliss. It is love thy neighbor. You want to talk about brotherly love? That's exactly what it is to the 10th degree. Like, people are going and opening doors and buying. I, I, I had a, a caller today call up. We, we had a great story from a woman in San Diego who was sending her husband to the parade. And this guy calls up and said, I want to pay for her 
to join her husband at the parade. I it's mean, the like, summer of love in Philadelphia in February. Yeah, random acts of kindness. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and we're still talking about Philadelphia. This makes no sense to me. We're chatting with our pal, Anthony Gargano. All right, let me get you to what could be interesting in the offseason. Nick Foles wins the Super Bowl as a backup quarterback. Does he just return to being number two on the depth chart in Philly, or is he an asset And Howie Roseman trades him? Yeah, I, I talked to somebody today. I mean, I don't think the Eagles would be offered more than the third-round pick. And uh, I think it's in both parties' best interest for Nick Foles to stay as a backup. Look, Nick Foles played 10 terrific quarters. The first half against Atlanta, he struggled. But he played 10 terrific quarters. He was terrific for those 10 quarters. He's best suited as a backup. He's not going to go to Buffalo or Jacksonville and replicate what he did. Carson is the starter, and he could be the best backup in the league. And, by the way, be the toast of the town. Never pay for a meal, never pay for a beer, never pay for anything other than just get adulation. So why would you leave? So what happens to Chris Long and LeGarrette Blunt and Ajay Ajayis? I mean, those are the few guys uh, that we know um, that had one-year deals and and are up. Uh, for an opportunity to maybe redo their deal? Do you think they come on and, and give the team a good deal and just hang around? Because this team is really young, Anthony. They can have a, an opportunity to make a run for at least the next two to three years. Uh, you're right on. I think uh, Long would definitely stay and definitely be. Remember, he donated his all of his game checks right. to charity mm-hmm. this year. So I think he'd stay. I think LeGarrette Blunt loves it here. I think he would love to stay. And I think Jay Ajayi is your feature back. So I, I can see a scenario where all of them stay. I mean, it's going to be interesting because they get, if you remember, they get a, a, lot, of, a lot of pieces back who were hurt, including their second-round pick, who's a dynamic young quarterback. So, like, you're going to get, there's going to be, they're going to be really good next year, and next year will be winning for Carson and, this thing is, is really – so look for – there's a guy, Joe Douglas, who's Howie Roseman's right-hand man. He's a great football guy, great personal guy. He and Howie and a guy named Andy Whitehall um, and Tom Donahoe, who you know, Cordell, put this thing together, and they've done a fabulous job at the roster. Talking Eagles with Anthony Gargano, 97-5, the Fanatic in Philadelphia. Anthony, let's go back to last season when Doug Peterson was hired. Beyond the Philly connection – what did you make of the move? Because USA Today was ranking all the coaches who got hired last season. They said Peterson was the worst hire. Yeah, there, there was no secret that the Eagles wanted Ben McAdoo. Remember, the Eagles' first choice was Ben McAdoo. They went Ben, and then if you remember, that caused the ripple effect because of their interest for the Giants to then hire, to move off from Coughlin and, and promote Ben McAdoo as their coach. And then they come back to Peterson, and he was met kind of lukewarm at best. And last year he made some kind of quizzical decisions. Remember, he didn't have a lot of experience under Andy. When he was hired, he was seven years removed from high school. So we knew him as a backup who uh, basically held the, the torch for Donovan. And then he comes in and, and, you know, whatever. He was kind of looked at as he's probably not going to be the guy that gets it done ultimately. And then he won the fan base over because 
he has been fearless, almost to the point where I go, is that sound? Like you question him. But you know what his greatest attribute is? His EQ. The guy knows how to deal with people. His emotional intelligence is through the roof. Guys love him. They want to play for him. The people love him. The building loves him. He gets the most out of his players. He's not a walkover either. He gets the most out of his players. He really is a, a, a very inspirational figure. Ron Jarowski, Randall Cunningham, um, Donovan McNabb, and even Rocky were some of the greatest Philadelphians, let's just say, when it comes to the sports <laughs> figures in that city. Has Nick Foles surpassed all of those guys combined? Yes. In fact, they're going to move the statue over of Rocky, and it's going to be of Nick Foles. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? Right next to Dr. J, man. Oh. <laughs> if any of it survives Thursday, so let's wrap it up with the forecast. How many people we expecting, Anthony? Plus, we know the Philadelphia's had huge crowds in the past when the Sixers and Phillies won. Yeah, we're talking three million people. Mm. Three, imagine this, three million people that will line from Broad Street to the Parkway, and it's going to be a scene. There was a million people out on the streets after they won. I was one of them. I saw it. It was, it was awesome. There weren't very few problems. It was a lot of love, a lot of fun. And this Thursday, it's supposed to be uh, sunny, chilly, but sunny, and it's going to be one of these great parties of all time. They're building a stage on the art museum like you saw, guys, uh, for the draft. So it's going to culminate with the same place that the NFL draft was in, right on the iconic art museum steps, right down the parkway from City Hall. So it's going to be 3 million people and a lot of loving, a lot of hugging, and probably a lot of drinking. <laughs> and that's always a winning combination. Anthony, always great to chat with you. Enjoy Thursday. Uh, guys, always a pleasure to be on with you. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Listen to your international news on TuneIn. Search under TuneIn News and catch up on what's happening in the world with CNN International. Welcome back to World News. Or go to the corners of the globe with BBC World Service. This is the BBC. And Jazeera News. This is Al Jazeera. So on the run, in the car, or anywhere life takes you, now you can listen to international news as it breaks on TuneIn. Ask Alexa. Just ask me, Alexa, to find your international news on TuneIn. Or search news today. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. As we close out NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's take you round the league with Josh Alper from ProFootballTalk.com. Josh, like everybody else, we are going through withdrawal because we know there's no football coming up this weekend, so we're already looking ahead to the fall. What are your way-too-early expectations? This is unfair, but you can roll with it. For the Colts, presuming Andrew Luck will be 100% coming back from missing the entire season. Josh McDaniels, innovative play caller, and they have a top-five pick. Uh, well, my, my expectations, they'd be much, much better than they are this year, but I, I do think it's unrealistic to expect Andrew Luck to hit the ground as exactly the same player. I think it's going to take some time and, and work things out to – a new offense first and foremost, and, you know, just the 
rust that accumulates with that much time off, but I expect them to be a creative and uh, exciting offense, certainly with Josh McDaniels calling the plays. But I, I think there's still a lot of work to do on defense, even with a, a top five pick. There, there's work to do at receiver and, and the offensive line. So I, I think that this is, uh, you know, if they can get back into being competitive and and around 500, I think that's a big success. And, and I think that if that if there's enough pieces there to do that, things can certainly break right and uh, and playoff content. Josh, how vulnerable has the New England Patriots become since you have uh, Pat, Pat Patricia, who's gone? Pat, excuse me. Yeah, Patricia, he's out of there. Matt Patricia, that is. Excuse me. Josh McDaniels, he's gone. You have J.J. J.J. You have Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not in. Uh, and then all of a sudden you see this team lose a championship like they just lost along with. You have Rob Gronkowski who's having conversations about trying to figure out what he's what he's going to do. How vulnerable is this team moving forward considering their quarterback is also being long in the tooth? Uh, well, I, I think that in the short term, the, the Gronkowski question is the one that, that would be most concerning to me about vulnerability because – I think you take him off that offense and, and all of a sudden it's not, this isn't meant to get denigrated any other guys there, but it, it is a lot more ordinary looking in offense. The second half on Sunday night when, when they made that run back into the game and, and ultimately took the lead, they were going to Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, and Rob Gronkowski. And so you take that out of the offense. There's no one who can replace that. And, and that's just, you know, that's a simple fact. And, and if he's not there, then that offense has to be completely rethought and reworked. So, that that's a bigger deal to me than the assistants. Um, again, no denigration to McDaniels and Patricia, but the Patriots have done that before. Longer term, yeah, I think this is another year where where you're going to see the the Patriots probably move early to take a quarterback in the draft if there's one they like because they have to think about what's after Tom Brady and whether that means Bill Belichick will still be there at that point or not. Uh, is going to probably become like a yearly guessing game at this point, but but you have to start thinking about life after Brady. But immediate vulnerability if Gronkowski's back and accepting that there's a lot of work to be done on defense, uh, I'll still bet on on Bill Belichick figuring it out in, in a way that keeps them uh, at the top of the AFC East, if nothing else. Taking you around the league with our pal Josh Alper, ProFootballTalk.com. I saw you tweeting from the press box in Minnesota. So beyond watching the game, you are schmoozing with members of the media, picking up intel. Where did the report come from that Rob Gronkowski might be pondering retirement? How was that question even posed to him postgame? Well, I, I know that, that we had heard uh, at PFT that that – he had a very hard time passing the concussion, uh, passing the test to get out of the concussion protocol. Uh, that hit from Barry Church in the AFC Championship game was a real whopper and, and took a number on him. And we'd also heard that you know members of his family have talked to him about retiring and saying to him that you've played eight years, you've made a lot of money, and, and he's certainly a guy who's set up for a wonderful career after the game because he's such an engaging personality and whether he moves into our business or, I mean, I don't think it's out of the question. You could see him being in, in movies or, or other, all other sorts of, of uh, entertainment roles that I, I think that some people in his family have been at, talking to him about that. And that's where uh, I know my Florio, my boss, tweeted something out about it. it 99% wild guess that something like that would come up and, and we'll see what happens. But I, I that's where that's where we got it from, uh, and and that's where we got it from a PFT, and so that's what we you know that's what we, that guess was about, and and if that led to the question, uh, 
I, I would imagine other people had heard similar things. Play GM in Philadelphia. How do you handle Nick Foles and his success on this football team, knowing that this city's been waiting for this forever, but yet you made three moves from the 13th spot, I think it was, to the 8th spot, to the 2nd spot to get a Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz goes out, throws his first interception. What what, what are you thinking about doing, understanding that that could be uh, the response if something something like that were to happen with Nick Foles as the backup on this team? Yeah, well, it's a great question, Cordell. And I, and I think the first thing you do is you're, you're very, very patient about it because Carson went to tour his ACL in December. I don't think it's a sure thing that he's going to be ready week one, and you certainly hope he is. But if he's not, you need a, a, another option, and obviously Foles would be the best of those options. Now, if that feels untenable, that, that Foles isn't willing to, to go into that role and, and for whatever reason expresses the desire to move on, I think you have to you know, seriously consider granting that because it doesn't do you much good to have a guy who, who doesn't want to be there um, if Wentz is okay, and then you're just going to exacerbate the problem as the season moves on. But I, I think to trade him straight off the bat would be very difficult because of that, that question about Wentz, unless you line up someone else to be that backup and the offers are just so overwhelming for Foles of service that you can then wind up filling that spot with a veteran now, maybe take a, another quarterback, or you could just continue to improve the rest of the team around Wentz and, and whoever else is there at quarterback. And, and I think, you know, the, the best approach for that is to let things play their course other places, because once that free agent flurry happens in March, someone's probably going to be left without their preferred dance partner. And, and that's only going to make your price go up when you've got the Super Bowl MVP as a, as a potential acquisition. Chatting with Josh Alper, ProFootballTalk.com. Josh, last one for me. We know the Patriots aren't going to budge when it comes to telling the story as to what led to the benching of Malcolm Butler. Do you think it would aid Butler to get ahead of this story, get his version, the truth out, either himself or via his agent, because right now we're just dealing with a lot of rumor and innuendo. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's heading for free agency and, and teams will want to know. Now, whether that constitutes uh, the, the same as him needing everybody in the world to know, I, I don't know. I, I think that the two, though, do go hand in hand. It, it's it's going to be a big contract, and, and selling that to a fan base is going to be a lot easier if everyone understands that this isn't a, an undue level of risk. Uh, so I, I do think it would, it would certainly help him. Uh, I, I don't know when, when that'll happen, but uh, I, I would think that it would happen sometime fairly cer- soon so that it can turn the page into, into something else rather than continue to get brought up every time his name is linked with a team. The amazing thing, when you think the quarterback year is over with, you end up coming to the next season, this becomes one. Look at the guys that are coming in out of the draft to, to the players that are actually going to be free agents, Kirk Cousins and players like that who we assume is going to be the higher-paid quarterback um, this offseason. But Drew Brees, do you think the New Orleans Saints get this done and not make this a, a murky situation and cause us to go on a, a crazy tour of wondering what the heck the Benson family is, is doing? Are they going to get it done? Uh, I do think they'll get it done. I, I think that, uh, you know, we, we might enjoy it if it if it did turn into a, a circuit. We have probably, you know, well, Cousins is the biggest free agent since, since Peyton Manning. Breeze would be even bigger. Uh, but I, I don't see a chance that, that the Saints don't get this done. He, he is the Saints at this point, right? And yep. 
uh, he's still playing at such a high level that it, it, it would seem crazy to, to roll the dice on someone else when you have these pieces in place for this team that was uh, a miracle pass away from the NFC Championship game. Josh, great information as always. Glad we had a chance to say hello in Minnesota, and we'll chat with you soon again on the NFL on TuneIn. Absolutely. Enjoy as much as you can the offseason. Thank you for listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast on iTunes with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Listen live weekdays from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern by downloading the TuneIn app and searching NFL No Huddle. The National Football League is on. TuneIn, your everything audio app.